it's me, Megan. Snooze is still on a break, but while you're waiting, I want to encourage you to listen to some shows I think you'll love. First, an episode from our friends over at NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. If you haven't heard of this podcast, it's great. Every day, the show's hosts share recommendations and commentary about some of the best, and also maybe not the best, but still relevant, movies, TV shows, music, books, etc., etc. If you're like me and you're surrounded by pop culture experts, aka most of my friends, but maybe you're not one of those people, aka me, this show will catch you up. In this episode, co-host Aisha Harris and her panelist, Sydney Madden, talk about the recent HBO Max series, Rap Shit. Rap Shit is my shit. It is the new HBO show by Issa Rae, and I love it. This show is about two young women in Miami trying to break into the music industry. It's about them transforming themselves from within, supporting each other, and doing it with joy despite hardships. Also, the music is bomb. But don't listen to me. Listen to Aisha Harris of Pop Culture Happy Hour. Enjoy. Heads up, this podcast contains explicit language. The HBO Max series Rap Shit feels like a comedy for the moment. It's about Shauna and Mia, two aspiring rappers from Miami, and the challenges they face as young women trying to break into the industry. Social media plays a huge role, and for these Gen Z millennial cuspers, life exists largely through the lens of a camera phone. The show was created by Issa Rae, and the DNA of her breakthrough hit, Insecure, is evident here. But its protagonists are more than just Issa and Molly 2.0. I'm Aisha Harris, and today we're talking about rap shit on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Joining me today is the co-host of NPR's Louder Than a Riot podcast, Sydney Madden. Welcome back, Sydney. Thank you, Aisha. I'm excited. I know. We've been waiting to talk about this together for a while. So this We is... have a lot of group chats back and forth about this show. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So on Rap Shit, Ida Osman plays Shauna Clark, a hotel clerk in Miami who's struggling to get her rap career off the ground. She reconnects with Mia, an old friend from high school and single mom who's played by Chameleon. Together, they decide to start a rap group and attempt to blend their styles and approaches. Shauna sees herself as a conscious rapper and actively resists adhering to the Cardi B-like beauty standards dominating hip-hop right now. Mia, a flamboyant makeup artist and OnlyFans performer, is more willing to play the game and appeal to the masses. The show follows them as they balance various side hustles while making a name for themselves on the Miami scene. It's kind of like Atlanta or Dave, two other comedies about aspiring rappers, if you've seen those or remember those at all. The show also features Devin Terrell as Cliff, Shauna's long-distance boyfriend, and Jonica Booth as Chastity, a.k.a. Duke, a party promoter. Rap Shit was created by Issa Rae, and Young Miami and JT, the rap duo also known as City Girls, are among the executive producers. Now, there are eight episodes of this season, and we have seen the six that are currently streaming on HBO Max. So, Sid... What are your just like general thoughts first about Rap Shit overall? My general thoughts on Rap Shit is that this show is so right on time. Exactly like you said, very much for the moment. 
In the aftermath of Insecure, Insecure Ending, Issa Rae really wanted to stretch her creative muscles, I feel. And this whole show, the universe that's created in Miami with Mia, with Shauna, with all of their trappings, with all of their uh, moments of growth and compromise and collaboration, it really feels like it is in the same universe as Molly and Issa. But- Mm -hmm living on a very divergent path. Yeah, I can totally see that. I mean, it's interesting because when you think about Insecure, especially the earliest seasons, even the first episode, one of Issa, the character, her things was rapping to herself to build up confidence in the bathroom. And so clearly there's sort of a lineage there from there to here. And it's interesting to see how, like Issa and Molly, yes, these are two characters who are kind of trying to find their way. But I think they're supposed to be decidedly younger than Issa and Molly were because, you know, it seems like they probably graduated from college maybe just a couple years ago, a few years ago, whereas Issa and Molly were like late 20s, early Mm -hmm. 30s. So we've got this really Gen Z-ish millennial thing going on here. I'm an older millennial and, (laughs) you know, look, I'm online all the time, but I'm definitely not on my phone on video camera all the time. So... (laughs) As we've already kind of mentioned, so much of this is actually filmed to look as though they're filming through a ca- like their own camera lens. They're, whenever they're talking to someone else, even when they're in person with someone else, they might still be mm-hmm. on the phone or like videoing themselves. How did that work for you? Does that feel like very appropriate considering, you know, who these people are and also, you know, how old approximately they're supposed to be? Let me first say as a precursor, I am very much in the millennial category. I am not Mm. a cusper. I am not a (laughs) zillennial. So yes, the use of social media as the viewfinder for the characters is a bit heavy handed all throughout the entire series, every episode for me. Um, And actually my favorite scenes are the ones where they don't have their camera phones up to document every moment when they aren't trying to stun. And when they have that true moment of IRL engagement, not URL engagement. And I think that's really the point of how we see their relationship uh, change over time, how they get more comfortable with each other, how they start to support each other, how they motivate each other, how they egg each other on, how they inspire each other musically. But I also feel that the storyline of the steps you need to take to achieve rap stardom right now, especially in this age of virality and TikTok and all the apps, it feels very accurate. Them going from the organic freestyle in the car to deciding to record it and record their recording process to getting a beat from someone who they know. In this case, it's Mia's baby daddy, Lamont, who is also a producer, to getting playlisted on Spotify, another app that is really um, spelling the success or the downfall of an act. I think the character of the oversaturation of the internet is very accurate to not only them in their age group as late 20s postgrads who are trying to break into this industry, but also just anyone who's trying to break into this industry. I think we are far and away from the time when an artist can just drop a song and be a faceless figure and just be a voice. You have Mm. to have some type of internet presence to back up the thing you're trying to sell, the music. And I think that's a commentary, and it's doubly so, a standard and doubly so a requirement if you're a woman in rap, if you're a black woman trying to achieve this certain level of notoriety of stardom. Yeah. Issa Rae herself, she takes very conscious social media breaks from time to time and really is one of those people who pops out when she has something to say. And then other than that, she's very much a 
a believer in radical rest. That is, she said many times that is her ministry. So I think the idea that they are documenting every single moment, that every single moment is required to be documented or else you won't believe that the come up really happened, feels super accurate to the to the standard that artists are having to live up to nowadays to try and make it big in hip hop. Yeah, and I mean, also it's really interesting to see how we've seen this perspective from you know, men often mm-hmm. in TV and film. I've already mentioned Atlanta with Earn and uh, Paperboy. And then, of course, uh, Dave, which is a sort of not quite similar series, but that stars Little Dicky. And it's kind of the same idea of like right. an aspiring rapper trying to come up. The art of making it. Yeah. The art of making it. Yeah. And so to see two women trying to do it, that tension is so interesting to me. And and Shauna especially is interesting to me because she's clearly trying to be a sort of Lauren Hill type figure, but that's not where the moment is right now. Or like even No Name, I, like their persona is, I am thinking about things. I am trying not to be like the other girls. And, you know, they have this conversation that to me kind of crystallized what the show is trying to say. And I think we actually both kind of not even knowing we picked the same the same audio or like you similar audio. Are we on the same page, Aisha? Yes. We're on the same, we're on the same page. But it's this great moment in the second episode. Shauna and Mia are hanging out at the hotel bar and they are debating, they're talking about how rappers like Lil' Kim and Nicki Minaj often have this like sort of Svengali man behind them and that's how they get famous. Let's actually hear a little clip of this. But right now is no woman really, really doing that. They're just puppets. They don't even write their own shit, Mia. It'd be another nigga in the back giving them bars. So you telling me that it's no possible way that women could be having a good time and winning? How I see it, you letting these niggas control you. First of all, K-Million is a natural. I want to watch K-Million, <laughs> like, I don't know, read my Twitter timeline. She is just so um, um, biting and amazing, fiery. But what I love so much about their back and forth, specifically in this episode, I really, really think it's setting the stage for what this whole show is trying to say about the pigeonholes that a lot of Black women in hip-hop often get pushed into, get thrust into, and get marginalized with. Uh, there was a 2021 interview with the LA Times where Issa Rae, when the the premise of the show had been announced, but we didn't know much about it, when she was being asked about her own label, Radio, which is an imprint of Atlantic Records, and then the music business in general, Issa said, it's probably one of the worst industries I've ever come across. I thought Hollywood was crazy. The emphasis that she's trying to really make a commentary on her and her fellow co-writers, the showrunner, is that this binary of either being the, you know, conscious, chew stick, respect me, love me, do not denigrate me. And, you know, the stripper hoe fantasy, you know, normally uh, coined to be in like the pussy rap category, that these are two separate entities and that they cannot exist. And that empowerment does not exist in both of them. One thing that I, I wonder about the show, and again, we've only seen the first six episodes, so I'm not sure how the final two episodes will play out yet. But I am curious to see how the show is having that conversation, but then how it's going to actually play out in the plot of the show. Like, is Shauna going to have to, at some point, compromise more than she thinks she would ever do? Or because to me, that's sort of the predictable way of going about things. But I wonder if there's a way for this show to find that balance within the balance it's actually trying to you know, convey. Um, I mean, I know, Sid, you've interviewed lots 
of female rappers who are out right now. And obviously we have people like Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B who are sexual. They are very open about their sexuality and they are flaunting it and they are happy about it, but they are also talking about important things in their lives and also empowering women. It's not like those conversations aren't happening in real life, but is there any sort of rapper that you can think of that you may have spoken to or that you're just following who kind of fits in more closely with the Shauna mold of like not wanting to show their face or not wanting to be as open, like that's not who they are in terms of sexuality? I think there are rappers who are women who have been put into the Shauna mold, but have also very vehemently said, don't put me in that mold. Yeah, It's interesting, one of the people you brought up earlier was No Name, who I think if you casually like listen to No Name, you would put her in like a conscious rap mold. But No Name has definitely said in her social media presence and also in some of her songs, like, I would like some sexual satisfaction as well yeah. <laughs> while I'm reading, um, you know, my 13-inch thick right. uh, encyclopedia. Liter- like, <laughs> what about me makes you think that I am just, you know, one layer deep and that I'm either this intellectual baddie or this, you know, stripper hoe? You know, I I really love how much this show throws back those binaries in its satire. And I love how we do see the characters change a little bit over time. So far in the six episodes we've seen, Shauna specifically, Shauna is starting to realize that there is empowerment in songs like Seduce and Scheme and Spend His Cream so you don't gotta spend your own. Okay, okay. Justin, We also see as a subplot that Shauna is low-key trapping. Like, she's the one doing the stuff she's saying she don't want to rap about and she don't want to promote, you know? Yeah. But I love that about it. I, <laughs> like you said, I think it would have been a much more uh, cookie-cutter path to have Shauna uh, succumb to the industry standards of becoming the baddie with the BBL and stuff like that. But I think that... She is someone who is finding her own um, empowerment and in, in validity in the things that Mia wants to really rap about. You know, something sexy, something fun for the girls. Like, whatever it is, it just got to be fun, sexy in your face, you know? Okay, it can be fun, sexy, in your, it can be all those things, but I'm not about to play dress up for niggas on the internet. Girl, you wear masks. That's different. My art is not for the male gaze. Girl, what the gay niggas got to do with it? No. I also think that Mia is starting to see Shauna's aspirations and Shauna's ideals of wanting to represent something deeper, something different behind that fun, behind that, you know, that scheming, that seducing. It's really beautiful to me when they are holding each other down and then they're making music out of out of that emotion, out of those highs and those lows. And I think it's making the added layer of commentary about how many women coming up right now, they're perceived to be put in one lane or the other, but they actually do very much represent a mix of both, just as we all do. Like, we all exist in multitudes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I will say that compared to other shows of, like, you know, how to make it in the music industry, uh, shows like Atlanta, shows like Dave, even, you know, the more cringier predecessors, things like Empire, or maybe even, like, a movie like Hustle and Flow. Mm, What I love about this is every episode, you realize what the quest is going to be of getting a step to get to this certain level. But really, the underpinning and the hidden layer of commentary is 
Like these are the things that black women in the music industry and also just black women moving through life need to negotiate and self-interrogate as they are ascending in whatever place they choose and, you know, and fighting against being put in that box. Yeah. I mean, even the way that Shauna and Mia rekindle their kind of a strange friendship is because Mia needs a babysitter last minute. And so like yeah. she's like her last <laughs> her last dish effort to, to find one so that she can go off and, and do a job uh, as a makeup artist. So like having to navigate that aspect and it's not just about it's not just about them. It's about the people in their lives as well and how that affects them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something we've really seen before. And I think that's what makes me want to keep watching. I think some of the other elements of the show I'm not as crazy about like the boyfriend, Cliff, like Cliff the shoe fits. Get him out of here. <laughs> oh my god. Like he is literally the archetype of a hater. Like yes. he's, he's a hater on Shauna when he should really be Shauna's like biggest supporter at this point. Like she was like at, during their fight, she's like, I've been your plus one for three years. You can't be my plus one for three hours. Yeah. In his mind, because you know, misogyny affects us and infects us all he has had shauna in a box of being like you know she's a quote-unquote high value woman she's a conscious rapper that's what she's doing with her art and the minute she steps out of what is convenient for him he's like nah no more of this you know yeah i also just felt you know so many sitcoms and shows in general start off with like the romantic partner who is obviously not for you and it's like okay how are we going to get rid of this person right (laughs) like how are we going to do that and yeah he's oof he's the worst You see at the core, she's very much just becoming more who she is through her music. And she's taking a different road to empowerment and sexual agency. That's what doesn't work for him. It's like the inconvenience to his overall 10-year plan or whatever it is. Yeah. Okay, Sid, I have one last question for you. You've kind of hinted at it, but I'm curious. You are our music aficionado here. (laughs) You've got the ears. This is your world. How is the music? Like, is it good in the show? Is it the type of stuff you would listen to, like you would press play on Spotify on your own? I I honestly would. I really would. That that first song that they have, the freestyle seducing scheme, although I think it has the right amount of cornels of corn to it, you know, for being like a sitcom, <laughs> a, a comedy type of conjured song uh, yeah. and, and soundtrack. But I love that JT and Young Miami are also executive producers on it because, you know, catchy chorus aside, the verses really hit. Mm -hmm. The verses go hard. Yeah. And, you know, they have a follow-up song that they're making that really um, makes you want to throw some bows. You know, it it, it accomplishes what it sets out to do. Yeah. Girl, you know I got this beat, bro. <laughs> my bitch so bad. My bitch so bad. Dumb hoe, you man. My bitch so real. My bitch so real. Fuck how you feel. My bitch a vibe. You do see their collaborative process together, which is another thing I love so much about this show. You wrote that? It feels like they're becoming more confident. It feels like they're becoming more self-assured. Oh, also, sidebar, we got to say, the NPR joke, (laughs) that is one of the best quips that I feel like that the whole season has so far. You know, know, outside of like the Miami and and Southern rap specific ones. Whatever we do, I just want, I really want niggas to think 
girl, if a nigga want an NPR, they go get NPR. Yes. That was a nice nice little shout out for NPR. <laughs> nice little shout out. Nice little shade shout out. For yes, real. Yes. But no, I love it. And and they're really finding their own personal definitions of empowerment and freedom. And that's what I I mean, that's what I want when I'm listening to these songs. I want a confidence boost. I want to feel more empowered. You know, I want to feel like I can take over the world and take on the world that is always trying to put me in a box, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I love Seduce and Scheme. I think it's a great song. Yes. And I also really like that you pointed out that we see the collaborative process because to me, those were actually the moments where I I felt connected to the show the most. I loved the first time they sit down together and Shauna's trying to rap about student loans or actually no, as she corrects Mia, as student loans. Right, like she's imagining right. she's like Sally May or Fanny Mac, whatever, mm -hmm. whichever student loan. <laughs> I know. No, I, I loved seeing those moments because as you mentioned with Empire, it was like in Empire, it was always <laughs> it was always like oh, gosh. The, the cheesiest way where it's like right. someone's like la 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 la. And they're like, yeah, that's great. And it's like, no, there's there's actual debates that happen if you're working right. with someone. You're batting back and forth. It's not like this, you know. It is exactly. It is work. It is debate. It's a collaboration, truly, truly. And yeah, I, I love so much that we see that in this show because of the critique that women don't usually write their own stuff. That's been a long held critique in hip hop. And, and right. it's something- And Shauna makes that critique. Exactly. Yeah. Shauna is someone who holds that same critique in her head as someone who still wants to you know partake in this industry, in this culture, this world. And yeah, compared to other shows like Atlanta, Atlanta and Dave, you see a lot more of the, the trappings of what it takes to make it not actually the core, which is the music. You see yeah. everything that revolves around the music and everything that it costs to get the music out there. Aside from their music, I think this this series is so chock full of, just like Insecure was, yeah. a lot of regional and emotionally specific scoring and placement that is just so right on time. There's a lot of small uh, indie acts from Miami showcased on the, on here. Then, of course, you got City Girls, you got Saucy Santana, you got uh, Ruby Rose, but that juxtaposition of those big names against someone like a, like a 12-in who has been um, in South Florida's R&B scene for like so many years, but has always remained indie. I think that's where I feel like Aside from some of the cinematic choices, I feel like that's where I see and hear Issa's influence the most. Because Issa has always had a good ear for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We expect nothing less from Issa. Mm -hmm. that, that's that's where we're at. <laughs> right. Issa, call us. Yeah. <laughs> we have questions. <laughs> well, we want to know what you all think about rap shit. Find us at Facebook.com slash PCHH and on Twitter at PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. Sydney Madden, thanks for being here. And yeah, this is, this is awesome. I loved it. I, I loved know. talking it out with you. Thank <laughs> you for having me. We're going to keep this going in the group chat for sure. Yeah. Once those other two episodes drop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and of course, thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This episode was produced by Hafsa Fatima and Taylor Washington and edited by Mike Katzev. And Hello Come In provides our theme music. I'm Aisha Harris, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Thank you, Aisha and Sydney and the folks at Pop Culture Happy Hour. You can find more episodes of Pop Culture Happy Hour wherever you get your podcasts. 
Next week, another recommendation, another podcast. Maybe between now and then, you can cross something off your list that you've been putting off. I'm Megan Tan, and thanks for listening. 